Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen. How's everybody doing? Oh, man. As usual, off the top, I want to take the time out to thank each and every last one of you for tuning in, downloading, streaming, watching on YouTube. However you watch, however you take in my podcast, I appreciate it. So tell an enemy coworker, uh, your best friend, uh, a kid who stole your bike in, in middle school, tell somebody about my podcast, man. Tell somebody. Uh, if you're new, welcome, man. I appreciate it. Give me a chance. Uh, I met a, a bunch of new cool people in uh, Liberty Township in Ohio this past weekend, well, weekend before last. Uh, but I'll get into all that, you know. Um, man, I'm back, baby. I got a lot to talk about. I just I just did a weekend, finally. Just did a weekend, man. I, I miss comedy so much. Uh, but we'll get in that as usual. Let me just let me start off with my milestone. Now, for those who don't know, we have an eight-year-old son. His name is Miles, and I like to talk about the different things that are going on in his life. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's nothing. And right now, it's kind of nothing. You know, just kind of nothing. He's uh he's still obsessed with the Japanese, um, you know, learning languages and stuff. And he just started learning fractions in school. He's pretty excited about that. He he thinks that um, he should skip the rest of the third grade because he knows everything. Um, but yeah, he he's doing well, you know, as you all do. He has uh, ADHD, and we struggle with a lot of things with him. And uh, it's been a very um, it's been a tough but yet rewarding journey, uh, seeing him just develop so much. For example, uh, the kids are starting to come out in the neighborhood and um, he's been going out there maybe about two weeks now. And when we first started going out there, he was very afraid of, of going down one driveway and up the other. Very cautious about it. You know, a couple of little girls that have skateboards, they're doing it standing up. And he was just like, Oh, I'm not doing it. And yesterday he did it. He rode the skateboard standing up. He didn't do the, uh, down one up the other but he's going down one he's laying down on it he's turning on it he's he's having a good time and uh it's very very uh rewarding to see him start to know how to interact with other kids uh better you know not just kind of like pushing them or nudging them and then running off to try to get them to play with him he's learning that you kind of do what everybody else is doing and if you want to do your own thing then, hey, do your own thing. Other people don't need to play with you all the time. So with him being a, an only child, he's just very used to just let's just do what I want to do. He needs to understand, like, hey, man, you know, there's five kids out here and four of them want to play. They want to play swords or they want to do uh, scooters or they want to play on the porch and, you know, eat popsicles. It's just like everyone's not always going to want to do what Miles wants to do. And he's taken to that pretty well. So. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just good to see, man, to see him going out there and, um, you know, facing his fears. Uh, he's also not letting people pressure him into doing things that he, he's not ready to do. And, uh, that's, that's good to see, especially at this young age that he has a mind of his own and he's not being pressured into doing things that he's afraid to do, even though it's not the end of the world. It's just like, I understand that him. Uh, ride on a skateboard is at the end of the world but it's to me it's things like that that if you can be just easily coaxed or or uh shamed into doing anything then you'll you'll do drugs or whatever 
You know, so the fact that he's just like, you know what, this really ain't for me right now. I think I'm good. I don't I don't want to try that. That looks kind of scary. You know, a lot of parents to get pissed off and not to say it, it can't be frustrating at times where you're like, damn it, just try to do the thing. I also applaud them because there's going to be, hey, we should steal this thing from the store. Nah, man, I'm good. No, nah, I, I think I'm okay. I think I'm going to go this way. So uh, it, it's it's been uh, it's been an interesting uh, week and a half. Not ex not a whole lot of exciting stuff going on, but uh, big moments as parents. But uh, so that's my milestone. He's uh, he's learning fractions. He's going outside. He's playing with kids, and he's starting to uh, he's starting to get a little um, a little. I wouldn't say ambitious is the word. He's just starting to get a little while. Uh, like you know what? I'll give this a try. I'll give it a try. That timeline of him being afraid of things is starting to cut down. You know, and he's also not afraid of asking me for help in front of his friends, which is which is cool. And I appreciate that because I know at that age I would probably have been embarrassed. But uh, he doesn't seem to have that. And I also have to remind myself to, like, not get in the way too much and let him do things, you know. So it's also a lesson for me, too. You know, there are times where they're running around and they might run into somebody's backyard. And I'm like, I got to get eyes on. You know, I, I, I have to realize i'm not going to be able to see every little thing that he's doing but uh yeah man it's so it's, it's been a, a cool cool uh two weeks um yeah so that, that's it when it comes to him man uh, nothing nothing crazy but like i said I, i'm fresh fairly fresh off of off of a weekend at uh, liberty township funny bone with my man mark norman um if you if you're new to my podcast and, and you met me through him uh, what's up? I appreciate you guys coming out to check out my podcast. This is it, man. Uh, I don't have a crazy, you know, New York City life like he does, but this this is what I do. Uh, this is where I am, and and I and I love it, man. Uh, I'm on a fun part of my journey, man. Watching Mark grow, uh, watching his fan base just really, really take off, man. Watching his social media blow up and all that kind of stuff. It's been a wild ride for the last two, three, uh, three, four years, man. But um. Yeah, we hadn't worked together in quite a while. I want to say the last time him and I worked together, if I if I look at my calendar, but I want to say it might have been in it might have been in um at the Arlington Draft House in October, November, maybe November. So it's been a while. And it's it's always a pleasure, man, working with that dude, man. We have so much fun. We have great conversations. Um and this weekend was no different. Thursday had, was a little weird, man. It was a little weird. I, I felt like I was I was a tad off. I didn't feel like my rhythm was was down. But people had a good time. And after the show was done, we we uh, we all hung out in the green room. Uh, the host was our, our buddy uh, Andrew Ruddick, uh, a uh, Cincinnati guy, funny dude. Had a couple buddies come through. My man Tabari McCoy, another uh, Cincinnati comic, very funny dude. Uh, Jason T. Goodall, another good comic. Uh, he popped in uh, an old co-worker I was in the military with, my man Kim Song, Song Kim. He popped in, him and his little girlfriend. They're a cute couple. And uh, I love Ohio, man. I, I really do, man. My son was born there. I was I was stationed there for six years. I got a lot of friends, a lot of memories, a lot of good moments there. But I digress. So after that first show Thursday, we all in the green room. We're talking, laughing and stuff. And we all felt kind of like we didn't do well or people didn't enjoy themselves. but the more, the more we talked, the more we realized, like, hey, man, this is a typical Thursday. You know, we've we've kind of been out of the swing for a while. And uh, 
when you usually when you typically do a, a, a Thursday to Sunday or a Thursday through Saturday club run, Thursdays are e easily can easily be the best show of the weekend or one of the worst. And um so when it's when it's middle of the road, it's kind of like God, oh, they, they didn't hate me. And you have to remember, like, dude, sun, Thursdays are either really good or they can be really shitty. And just be thankful that people enjoyed the show. They might not have been as, you know, boisterous as, as you wanted to, or you know, it's a Thursday. People still have to work the next day. So they don't get too crazy. That's the thing about the Thursday show. You either get a bunch of animals that don't care about work tomorrow and they're drinking and they're the big comedy fans and they came to see you know, this person on a Thursday because they knew it wouldn't be as wild and they're just, they're really into the show or so just a bunch of free tickets and they, they won't be able to get out this weekend and they go, Oh, let's go see this guy. We don't know. And it can kind of be like some, uh, dead fish. So it was a little bit of a mix. So it, it kind of makes you feel like you didn't do a great job, but it was, it was fine, man. It was fine. After we talked about it, analyzed it, you know, after after we saw how everyone else did on the show, you go, okay, it wasn't just me. It was the show. We're fine. So, um, what's up? So Friday, uh, we didn't we didn't really do much this weekend because typically Mark likes to get out, see the city. Uh, we didn't do much, man. We hit up First Watch, which is a place I love, man. That's one of my most favorite br uh, breakfast places to go. Is First Watch. We hit that place up, man. We stayed there for a while and. Uh, we just talked about comedy. We talked about me, uh, my special, his special getting six million, uh, about me possibly moving to Austin. We just talked about a lot of stuff, man. We, we, him and I, man, we have great conversations. So that Friday night, uh, the first show was, was a tad. No, Friday. Okay, no, I'm getting mixed up. Friday was fine. Friday felt like we were a, we were back to normal. Friday was a fun show. Same with Saturday. Great night. I mean, same with same with the late show on Friday. Great night. Great uh, great shows. Great audiences. Um, let's see. Not, nothing really happened. No hecklers or anything like that. But we we had a good time, man. And and Friday night we had a great hang. It was me, him, uh, Andrew Schubert, uh, Andrew Ruddick, Gabe Kia, and I'm trying to think who else was hanging out with us that night. Um, somebody else, but for oh, and it's, I think his name was Connor. He worked there. Uh, and the manager, this dude, Sean, it was his birthday, but they went to a, a bar, and I didn't really want to hang out in the bar. It was just way too many people, way too loud. And that's our MO, even before COVID, man. We Mark and I aren't the big the big club bar guys, especially if it's like some something that's popular and crowded. Uh, we might run in for maybe one drink, but we like it quiet. We like to talk. We like, to we like a diner. So instead of hanging out there, we went back to the hotel, and this hotel had like a um, – like a, they had a, a huge bar in the lounge area. So we went up to the bar and lounge area, hung out there. Uh, they brought over some, a couple cases of, of beers and they brought over a couple cases, not cases, but big containers of tequila and something else. I don't drink anymore. So everybody sat around drinking and stuff. And we were talking politics, comedy, you know, feminism, racism, uh, you know, the Patrice O'Neill doc. We just talked about everything that comics talked about open, honest, conversations about all type of stuff man and we stayed up until i want to say i want to say about four o'clock that night but we had a great time and that is what i missed about comedy man the hangs are the best don't get me wrong i absolutely love the shows but the hangs are where it's at people i love the hangs i love the hangs 
you learn so much, you get to run bits, you find out, you know, like, oh, that could be a bit, or this ain't a bit, or oh shit, somebody else already has that. Just hearing what other comics have to say, especially with all the stuff that's gone on in the last year or so, it's just it's just cool to 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 be back in the mix of comics, man. Be in the presence of other comics, hearing cool stories, funny stories. Uh, it was it was one of the best nights I've had uh, in, in a long time. It's what, what I really missed about comedy. So Friday was absolutely fantastic, man. Saturday rolls around, and uh, I guess some of these shows were um, uh, not some. The shows in general were booked. Well, they had a curfew in Ohio. So in this instance, the first show uh, was at six o'clock because they had a curfew before and they didn't want to like. Uh, they didn't want to switch up the times after people had bought their their tickets and everything. So they just left the show times what they were. They were six and eight fifteen, which is really early for comedy. And uh, from what Mark told me, he did a three o'clock the week before and he said it was great. Uh, the six o'clock, it was probably my least favorite show of the weekend. A lot of people in the front row were wearing masks and uh, that, that's completely fine. But it, it was hard for me to read how they were feeling about the show. You can hear people laughing, but you really take your cues from the people up front uh, as to how the show was going. Um, and it was just tough. The people right up front, you can't see them laughing, but they're pulling their, their mask down. They're drinking. They're having a good time. And once I realized, like, OK, it's not me. They have the masks on. Um, I gave a little bit more energy and the show was fine. I just had to, I couldn't focus on the fact, I, the fact I couldn't see them smiling. It's just, uh, it just shows you as a comic, how important like people's, people's facial expressions are, are. And it also reiter reiterated for me how important my facial expressions and how I look on stage is important to my comedy. It's something you always forget. You know, it's, I know it sounds stupid, but you forget that people are looking at you. You forget that, like, hey, I'm a whole person. I, I have physicality. I can move around. I can smile. I can do this. I can do that. Like, once you really realize that uh, that people aren't watching you, but they're actually looking at you live and in person, and I know comics say, like, hey, this ain't TV. I can hear you. You really got to think about that, man, and think about and be present in the room and go, oh, I'm here. People can actually see me. Everything I do physically can either enhance or uh, hinder or not help my joke at all. So I had to do that. I had to become a little bit more physical and I just, I gave a little bit more uh, than I usually, and that sounds bad because I'm not a real big physical comic, but you also have to be open to like, all right, I got to really step up and sell these jokes, man. You know, I really got to do this. I really got to do that. I got to smile more. I have to, uh, I need a little bit more emotion. I need to be a little bit louder. I need to walk to the front of the stage a little bit more, stalk the stage back and forth a little bit more. Stuff like that has to be on your mind. But um so I, I would say that was my least favorite, but I learned the most from that show. And uh, the last show was was fantastic. We had a, we had a great time, man. We I met a lot of cool people. Um, this is the first time I was very intentional about pushing my social media, and it did well. And it's something I've always been hesitant about, man. I have so many hangups, and just I got to get over myself. You know, I, I, I sometimes I, I think I'm not worthy enough, or my set wasn't good enough to to plug myself, and I have to, I have to stop doing that. I need to stop. I've I've been shooting myself in, in the foot for years. You know, I wonder like why isn't my social media growing? How come people aren't doing this? It's like you're not putting yourself out there. You're not. Um, I had a great time, man. I, I uh, there are a few times I, I kind of broke 
I broke uh, character, man. Or, you know, I became more myself. I told people like, you know, this isn't something that's super funny, but it's, in my, it's been on my mind. You know, a lot has been going on in the last year. And it's just hard as a black guy to get in front of all these white people and not tell them how I feel. Especially these people who feel like, oh, fuck your feelings or like you shouldn't hide your feelings from anybody. You know, uh, be who you are. And a lot of times they don't like that because I don't think the way they do. But when I'm bashing one side, they're all for it. But when it comes to their turn, it's just like, whoa, wait a minute, buddy. You know, what, what are you doing here? We didn't, we didn't come here for this. But it's just like when I talk shit about liberal white women, you're, you're, you're giving me slaps on the back and, and applause breaks and you're whistling and shit. But then I talk about you and your sensitive ass. Then all of a sudden it's, it's a problem and it's not comedy. But uh, yeah. But uh, overall, great weekend, man. Thanks to everybody that came out, man. It was great seeing Mark. And I'm, I'm back with him in a couple of weeks at the Columbus Funny Bone. I'm looking forward to it. But I can plug my stuff later. Um, kind of speaking about that, this whole thing of, like, people love when you when you speak your mind as long as it's not about them. Um, look, this whole thing happened with the royal family. I'm not into the royal family. I really could care less about the royal family. But just because someone's talking about something, that doesn't mean that like it's consu it consumes your life. I was never a Meghan Markle fan or a Prince. I was never into it. Lady died, very tragic situation. But it was nothing I was really interested in. But uh, I did become interested when they started talking, when they spoke with Oprah, and they started talking about the racism that they face and as to when it came to their son, Archie, and them asking how dark-skinned this baby was going to be. We've all seen Meghan Markle. She is a very, very fair-skinned, uh, inter uh, interracial, uh, biracial black woman. You really can't, for lack of better, a better term, you can't look any more white or whiter than she does. You can't. She's very pretty, very light. Not my style. I'm not into light-skinned women, but hey, by uh, anyone, by most American standards, she's a very attractive woman. Very attractive. Uh, not my cup. Uh, why do I have to say that? Because I just don't want people to think I'm like, I'm one of these dudes obsessed with light-skinned women, and uh, that's not my thing. I like uh, very, see, I'm into this color right here. The darker, the better. That's what I'm into. But she's a very attractive woman. But this woman wasn't white enough for them. That is insane to me. It's just like, America, we're like the bastard child of, of, the, U of uh, the UK, if you can call it UK or whatever the fuck, England. Um, and to me, it's just ironic where, like, we're their bastard child, and here's here we are, and I can't say offering up. It's not like we gave her to England, but here's this American woman, you know, representative of this bastard country that you created that became a superpower, and it's just like, hey, this is almost like a meeting of the two. This white black woman, like I said, for lack of better of better better terms. You can't get any more light than this woman without being white. And it was just like, nah, man, that's that's not white enough. And if you look at some of those people, man, it's like, y'all been in, inbred for so long. Y'all all look so fucking weird. And here comes this beautiful woman. And y'all just like, nah, we can't do it. And then the baby. Now, they didn't want to give the baby a title. Now, for me, I don't really give a shit about titles. I don't really, I don't get it. I don't really know what they do anyway. But I know for them that's a big deal, so I don't I don't care about that. That's that's fine. That to me that's a petty thing. But it also says you're not part of this family. 
But what really got me going is the fact that they said that this kid would not get security. This kid would not get protection like everybody else. Now, that says something. It's one thing to be petty and go, or even racist to the point where, like, I'm not going to give him a title. But to me, that is truly disgusting that you won't even give a baby, a, your grandchild child, protection. You won't even, you say, I don't even care if something happens to him. This is a baby, y'all. Now, it's, it's one thing if you want to be racist towards adults and all that. That's one thing, man, which I think is bad. But to do it to a baby, oh, come on, man. Sound like Joe. Come on, man. That's just slow, man. You won't even, ugh. A baby. And what I and what I really want to get to before I get out of here is how, like, um, now all of a sudden, rich people shouldn't complain. I'm I'm seeing this this there's a meme uh where it's going around. It's a it's a picture of, of uh Oprah and them in the, in like some type of garden where they did the interview and they photoshopped money all around these people and go, uh they hurt my feelings, and then Oprah's like, I know the feeling. So all of a sudden, people with money can't complain. They shouldn't complain because they're rich. It's funny because people who have been supporting Donald Trump for the last four plus years, that is a big reason why they supported him. People hate him because he's rich. They're being mean to him. And now, now that's, now that's, they feel the complete opposite. Oh, somebody hurt your feelings. Oh, boo hoo. You got money. Why are you complaining? But for four years, you were like, I feel bad for him. People hate him. They're being mean to him. They're, they're so mean to him. It's not fair. But when the when the, this royal family people, when they complain, it's the reason why they shouldn't complain is because they have money. And what's funny about that meme to me is like the guy who claims to love capitalism so much is the guy who would like and share that. How can you say you you love capitalism so much, you support rich people, but the moment they don't think or or say things that you agree with, you want to use the money against them? All you do is you you defend people tooth and nail. Oh, take Bezos's money. Billionaires aren't this. Billionaires are their people. Leave them alone. Why you? Why are you saying this about them? Because they have money. They're people. They have feelings. And then when these rich people say, "Hey, man, they were racist towards me and my child." Oh, come on, man. You got to toughen up. You got to be tough. Somebody hurt your feelings. Big, big, big whoop. It it, it blows my mind. And I hear, and the thing is, y'all can't even get through the whole thing without flip-flopping. Apparently, a couple of days ago, Tucker Carlson is on Fox News complaining that, oh, that rich people are oppressed in America. So here you are when it comes to the royal family. You don't want to hear it. They need to toughen up. No one cares. You got money, you're rich. But here you are on with, with Tucker Carlson on Fox News feeling bad for rich people. I will say rich conservatives. Everybody else needs to stop complaining. And this is what also kills me about people like this. You can inherit your dad's business, whether it's a, a grocery store, um, uh, some type of, I, I don't know, uh, a mechanic shop, a uh, uh, anything. I don't care. You, you inherit a business from your, from, your, from your family, right? You do well. You live a great life. You can give your kids all this kind of stuff. And uh, someone will go, man, you're privileged. And uh, white guys will get so mad that they will talk about how dare you. I work so hard. Why am I being 
uh, punished for what my family has done. We're, we're being persecuted. Don't blame me for what my parents have done before me. And, you know, it's, it's a family thing. And I work hard. I bust my ass. This is mine. We work hard. We work hard. That's all you hear. They don't want to give anybody else credit. They did that themselves. No one but them. But then you take people like Oprah and, and LeBron James and all these athletes, when they're rich and famous, those same people tell them that they need to be thankful that they live in America in a place where they could even achieve this. But when it's their own success, when they're handed something directly from their parents to continue on, they worked hard. You better not even suggest it was a handout. But somebody like LeBron James, somebody like Oprah Winfrey, who came from absolutely nothing, they need to thank everyone else for why they are in the for being in the position that they're in. Because if it wasn't for everybody else, they wouldn't be shit. But when your daddy hands you your business, you worked hard. But here you have one, a billionaire, and another soon-to-be billionaire who came from absolutely nothing. They need to be thankful. Thankful. They need to recognize all the people that picked them up for basketball practice or people that gave Oprah her first shot. You need to be you need to be thankful of all those people. But you who were handed a business by your father, by your mother, nope, that's all you. That's all you. But everybody else needs to be thankful. They need to think about all the people that helped them. What about this guy? What about these people? It's such a it's such a double standard, man. It's it's, it's such hypocrisy, man. I, I told you before, with them, it's all on principle. They they judge us on principle. With them, they want to get into the, the the technical side of it, the weeds and seeds of it. Well, technically, you know, hey, <laughs> you know, maybe if it wasn't for your mom or this guy, what about this coach? Man, let these try to tell these conservative white dudes that somebody helped them with their business or it's not really fully theirs or whatever. They will lose their shit. But there's a show. That's a show. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter and uh, TikTok at Chris Allen Comedy. And as far as dates coming up, man, uh, I'm excited to start having a, a full schedule again, man. It's, it's slowly coming back. I think they said maybe by May we can all have a vaccine. So March uh, March 20th, I'm at Positano's in Bethesda, Maryland. Small show. Um, I doubt people are coming up, um, but uh, it pays. Uh, then March 26th to the 27th, I'll be at the Columbus Funny Bone with my man Mark Norman. And then I'm back in New York. They finally opened back up. I'll be at the Carlson uh, April 2nd and 3rd with my buddy Todd Youngman and Vinnie Paulino. And then the weekend after that, April 8th through the 11th, I will be at Raleigh in Good Nights recording my album. I'm excited, and I'm down to like the last month or so. About Yeah, I'm just under a month. Yesterday will be a month. So I'm about, uh, what, 29, 30 days, depending on what, the, yeah, about 30 days away. So I'm excited. Um, I think it's starting to come together. I'm excited about these weekends coming up. I can get more reps in. But uh, there's a show. That's the show. I'm out. Peace.